0: So Alhamdulillah, welcome everybody to the first iteration of Pillars, which is up on the screen here, which is why you all came, I think. So the reason we're all joined here today on the 3rd of December which is really close to finals is for a couple of things. The first is to kind of repeat what in this first iteration of a college program as a culmination of the efforts of Mass as well as the MSA to try to encourage us to come together to rebuild and to reaffirm our foundation. As you guys know, most of us are away from home, or as the stresses of school increase, or as the stresses of life increase in general, sometimes our foundations get a little bit rusty, or they get a little bit shaky. So sometimes we need that recharge, we need that reminder to help us rebuild what was once a little bit shaky. So it's good to come together to remind ourselves about why we're here, what the great purpose is, to help us stay firm and to stay confident all the way inshallah. But of course, today we have a talk that is centered around the topic of tawakkul, which literally means to trust, or rather how to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or God. And the reason why this is so important is because as the stresses of life increase, nobody in this room has not endured and gone through some difficulty. Not just finals which are moving, but also difficulty when it comes to loss in one's personal life or struggles socially, struggles financially, struggles with one sense of self, struggles spiritually, you name it, we've all struggled in some way, shape or form. But the beautiful thing is that in Islam, we have a great uh, crutch that we can always fall back on. a trust that no one else can trust like subhanahu wa ta'ala before. So today i are going to explore this topic and try to understand a little bit about how we can trust subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, how that will help us to get through our there's no difficulties. We get to this Al-Hadouj, is the no introduction, I'm going to give one anyway, inshallah. So, Shahum Al-Hadouj comes from ICM Majorville, which is not Chicago, for those of you guys, I think it's from Chicago. It's close enough, though. He wants a bad team and a female track, but then he wants to do better things at the University of Medina. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. And he serves as ICM's director. Yes, Alhamdulillah. The kids were too righteous, and now he's in a better position, come to that ICM. He also the New York Times bestselling author at WNBA Hall of Famer. You can bench what you deadlifts. So even though. WNBA Hall
1: of Famer? All famer don't worry
0: about it. You can also bench reps. He did 12 reps of bench, which were in deadlifts. If you want to prove it, come test him after the Palapa, inshallah. Without that further ado, I'll pass the mic on to our dear brother. Shalom, I mean, you can't.
1: Assalamualaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa the name of an Allah, and praise be to Allah, and prayers and peace be upon the best Muhammad, wa ala his family and companions and Alhamdulillah. We thank Allah, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. We thank Allah, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. Abundantly. We thank Allah, Subhanahu wa Ta'ala for the blessings that we that we see and that we recognize. The blessings that we forget and that we overlook. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the eyes that He has given us to see, for the ears that He has given us to hear, for the hearts that He has given us to feel. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way that we recognize that we're not going to be able to thank Him enough, but we do so anyway knowing that He is deserving of that thanks. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Warmth in this very cold night we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for light in this very dark place outside we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for each other we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the company that we have tonight Uh, there's very few things that uh, are more inspiring to me than seeing young people who don't have to be here This is not an obligation, this is not a pillar of of our faith to be here on a Saturday night when there's a lot of other things that can be done, when there's a lot of other places that you can be at. Whatever brought you here, whether it was another person, whether it was the cups that you have in your hand, whether it was the food that's going to be after this, but the fact that you're here is something that we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. I'm very, very happy to be here. You know, I know uh, I gave a lot of grief last time because to find this place, like I felt like I went through uh, the scene of a few horror movies. Uh, and So everyone who I've met so far, they asked me, how was your drive here? Was it okay? I'm like, yes, alhamdulillah, <laughs> it was okay. Uh, I had some company on my way down here, so it was nice. And there was, I was telling uh, some of the the MSA members that there's nothing as you drive here, right? And so it's a good opportunity to just like sit and reflect as you drive. And so I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gave me the opportunity to be here with you. And I thank all of you for being here. And we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ultimate blessing the greatest of all of the blessings that we see or that we don't see that we recognize or that we forget and that's the blessing of knowing Him and that's the blessing of being able to have a relationship with Him in spite of our many shortcomings in spite of our being very undeserving of it right relationships many times are the product of being able to earn that relationship right, to invest in a relationship whether it's with a family member a spouse you have to earn to the continuity of that relationship and especially if there's a gap between you and the person that you have a relationship with it's difficult to keep that relationship but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in spite of that being the greatest gap like between creation and creator Perfect and imperfect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala still gives us every single day the opportunity to have that connection to Him and have a relationship with Him. And we take it for granted, no doubt, because of our struggles, because of everything that we have going on that causes us to forget it, but these type of gatherings allow us to take a few moments to remember the value and the gift of being able to have a relationship with Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. It right? doesn't really make sense if you think about it, like how perfect and how you know uh, glorified Allah is, omnipotent and flawless and eternal, and who we are, right? So short-sighted and flawed and deficient, and yet Allah subhanahu wa taala invites us every single day, rather every single moment of our lives, to have a relationship with Him and to connect to Him. And He gives us these signs and these signals to come back to Him even when we've turned our back on Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's not for anything that He gains from it. He doesn't become more Allah or less Allah if we obey Him or disobey Him. But because of who He is, because of His nature, because He is the one who is merciful, and the one who is loving, and the one who is forgiving, and the one who is generous, that He gives us that chance, me, and you. One out of how many billion people in this world, but yet He makes us feel like we actually matter, because to Him we do matter. To Him we do matter. You know, I just came back from Umrah last week, alhamdulillah, and I was with a group, uh, Muhsin, you've heard of Muhsin? Anyone here hears of Muhsin? Yeah, it's it's a group that is uh, for special needs, our brothers and sisters who have special needs and their families. And you see, subhanAllah, not just on Umrah in general, but with a group like this. You see how in every single moment, Allah Taala takes care of and extends that loving mercy to His creation. And you visit these very special places. You visit the Kaaba. The Kaaba, everyone knows, it's like my screensaver, it's on my... Johnny It's on my prayer rug. It's you know, it's you know, uh, in my house in a, in a in a frame, and you see that Kaaba, and then you remember that the Prophet sallallahu tells us there's something that is more valuable to Allah than even the Kaaba, right? The most sacred objects on this earth to us. At one time, the Prophet sallallahu was making tawaf on the Kaaba. And he looked at the Kaaba and he's talking to it. Can't hear him, obviously, but he's talking to it so that those who are around him could hear. And he said, How beautiful you are, and how pure you are, and how amazing you are. And he said, I swear by the one in whose hand my soul is that a single believer is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than even this Kaaba. And that should make us feel that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees value in us, even when we don't see a lot of times value in ourselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us even when we find it very hard even to love our own selves. And I think this is the foundation and the starting point of this discussion on trusting Allah. Because when you know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, not just generally and generically, but when you know who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your life, what He has been doing for you before you even realized what it meant. You know, to, to be alive. That Allah took care of you in the most beautiful of ways while you were still swimming around or in you know the fluid in your mother's stomach. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provided for you in ways before you even had conscious thoughts. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala every single day, if you pay attention to it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does miraculous things for you in your life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of you in a way that if you really realize it, like if you sat and you thought about it that your heart would actually you know, like feel, like it would start to melt out of that love and out of that appreciation for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right, imagine, you know, you're in the middle of these boonies out here and you get a, a flat tire or flat tire on your bike if you don't have a car right, or you know, you trip and fall or whatever let's say flat tire, and you're you're out there struggling trying to change a flat tire, you know, you think that you're, you're pretending like you know what you're doing to make it look like you actually can't change a tire, right? And then someone just comes and they, you know, and, and they stop, and they say, you know what, let me take care of that for you, it seems like you're struggling, and they fix it for you, and they say, you know what, you just sit in the car, I don't want you to get cold, and they fix the flat tire for you, and then they send you on your way, and they say, you know what, because you... Had a hard time and you went through this difficulty here. Take a hundred dollars or something, right? I know it sounds unrealistic, right? But you know, how would you feel towards that person, right? They don't want anything from you. Usually, someone tries to stop and help you. You're like, okay, what's the angle? What are they trying to sell me? What are they trying to take from me, right? And and they do that for you, and then and and how how what impact would that have on you? Probably right away, you get home or you get on the phone. And you're like, you know what? Happened, this person they stopped And they're amazing and all these things That's just one example Of someone helping you in a time of need And if you sit And you realize how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Again, this is like Taking it and applying not just Allah in general and He's merciful And He's forgiving, but in your own life How much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala On a day-to-day basis Does miraculous things For each and every single one of us And to realize that even when we struggle in our relationship with Allah, even if we feel deficient, even if we feel like we're not living up to all of the things that we need to, in spite of all of that or with all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues to give you chance and after chance and opportunity after opportunity. Someone like that, right? For no other reason other than that's who he is. And that's who he is in each and every single one of our lives. Someone like that you realize Is not just merciful It's not just loving But is merciful and loving towards you And that's the foundation of building trust in Allah Right, that's the foundation of really having tawakkul in Allah Is knowing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your life And then from that Being able to understand That every single thing that happens to you in your life Every single experience and every single encounter and every single relationship is actually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intending for you something to grow from, something to get better from, something to benefit from, something to learn to get you to the point where He knows that you can be successful and where He knows that you can you can can grow and you can be a person of 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 benefits and success, right? So that's where we start, right? We start by recognizing who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in my life and how if I'm struggling to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to realize that maybe without even actively having put my trust in Him yet He is showing me and He has taken care of me in a way that gives me that confidence now to start actively putting my trust in Him and what that looks like inshallah
0: I think it's amazing that we start off with talking about trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. because generally speaking in today's modern age, particularly in this environment or in school, and a lot of classmates of mine do they tend to say you don't even really need God anymore. You like, still need a God? Bro, what are you doing? Don't waste your time with that kind of stuff. That almost to say that we've evolved past the point of needing God in our lives or needing most subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives because your needs are covered. You cover yourself, you got you, who? That's not really how the world works. we realize that we're really social creatures, Just like Sha'ala mentioned, usually in your own life, if you're struggling, going through a bad time, depending on the issue, you may go towards a parent, you may go towards a sibling, you may go towards a close friend, someone you can met to, someone you trust that you can turn to. But the interesting thing is that there's not one person or group of people you can always turn to. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and God becomes the best individual to turn to, the best being to turn to. You can find this best described in one of his two traits, which is As-Sami' al-Ali, the All-Hearing and the All-Knowing. For those all of you guys that don't know, most of the verses in the Quran they tend to describe an event or reflect upon a situation, and then depending on the context, those verses end with describing two traits of Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta'ala that reflect that situation. And in some cases, it says As-Sami' al that Allah is all- All-Hearing and All-Knowing. The interesting thing is that, for those of us that thought what we were were I, I used to think, well, if you're all-knowing, you already hear everything, it's already implied. So what's the point of mentioning these two things together? But the beautiful thing is that the scholars narrated and say, if you think about these two issues in isolation, or these two traits in isolation, there's a very unique benefit you see here when it comes to seeking advice from someone. Sometimes they go to somebody, and they're alim, they're knowing, they know what they're talking about. You know that X person has the knowledge you need, To get you out of your difficulty or to advise you in the right way. But they're not Samia. They're not hearing. They don't want to be empathetic. They want to hear you and have the time to listen to you. Or they will listen to you, but they don't really get what you're going through. They have the knowledge, but they're not listening really. So they're lacking in that aspect. And other people, maybe they're Samia. They're hearing. They're empathetic. They'll read you off for hours. You can mess them for days on end, and they'll still listen to you, but they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how to help you. They don't know what to give you advice or how to guide you in the right direction because they just don't know. When I was teaching back in in Chicago, I had dads ask me, how can I work with like, how can I be a better father? Like, bro, I don't know, I'm not a dad yet. I can't tell you how to be a better father if I don't have that knowledge in me in the first place. Now some people advise without knowing. That's a whole big problem. They only advise if you don't know. Believe me, save yourself and others in trouble. We should be humble in that aspect of knowing that we don't know everything. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here exemplifies simplifies the rest of both worlds. An entity that is available to you 24 7, that's there for you whenever you need them, but also knows what you're going through. They know you and your difficulty and everything you're going through better than you do. SubhanAllah. So, so when we keep that in mind, it helps us have a better understanding of why we're doing out of at in the first place. But to continue the conversation. I want to ask a question because we alluded to it In the end, which is about difficulty. Every single one of us knows that we go through some immense difficulties. And that's am sure about it, but sometimes these difficulties can be really, really immense, really overbearing, to the point that we feel stuck. We feel like we can't get out of it. We don't understand why we're doing such difficulties. Could it be a loss of a family member, or someone that we love, or perhaps a setback or failure that we can't even imagine what the wisdom behind it could be? And so, in those situations, how do we develop that trust, how do we actually understand or help train ourselves to
1: understand to be patient when we don't know. So that's a beautiful question. But I wanted to, to touch on something that you said in the beginning, right? Which is just to recognize our need for Allah, especially, you're right, now we're in a time where it's like, what do we need God for, right? And a lot of times, this comes as a result of us feeling that, you know, uh, we have, we're self-sufficient, right? We're independent. Allah tells us this actually in the Quran, it's amazing. He says, uh, He says, when does a person transgress and become arrogant? when they feel that they're self-sufficient. Like, what do I need God for? Right? This is the, the perspective. And we have all of the answers we've figured out. You know, we've moved past needing God. Right? And some of our teachers, they used to answer this question. They used to say, like, you know, put your hand on your heart. Everyone do it. Put your hand on your heart. Last time the guy was like, putting his hand on his heart, I was like, like dude, that's the wrong side. That's not where your heart is. <laughs> it's, like, if you feel a beat there, there's something wrong. <laughs> Uh, put your hand on your heart, right? And just for, for a moment. Just feel your heartbeat, right? Like don't, don't say anything. Just feel your heartbeat, right? Do you have anything to do with your heart beating? Do you control that at all? Can you tell my heart beat faster? Maybe you see a certain person that beats a little faster, right? Uh, maybe you try to exercise for a little bit. It <laughs> beats really fast. That's how you know you're out of shape. I eat myself, right? So I wear, you know, more covering clothes now. Uh, but you put your hand there on your heart and you realize that even something that close to you, right? If your heart stops now for a minute, what would happen? All right? I know there's a lot of pre-med here. You're going to give me some scientific terminology. Don't, I mean, you would die eventually, right? If your heart stops, you would. And that's something that you can't even control. Can you control when you have to, you know, when you use the bathroom? Or when, like, can you tell yourself, oh, I'm not going to use the bathroom anymore? Try it. It won't work out too well, right? The point is that, you know, we have to take it back to recognize that in spite of progress, in spite of the privilege that we have, how dependent we are on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to not allow the privilege that Allah has given us, right? Many of us now, we've grown up in privilege. We, it's not about what I'm going to eat, it's about what I'm going to eat, right? Many of us have not experienced what really what hunger is like, right? And, and so one of the scholars, he said, like you have to recognize that your dependence on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the same dependence, like me and you sitting here in warmth and having water and having tea and having food, our, our dependence on Allah is the exact same As someone who is in the middle of the ocean With nothing Holding on to like a piece of wood Like a raft Like uh, what was that movie? Castaway Castaway Right like Tom Hanks and Castaway On the middle of a raft In the middle of the ocean That person is not in any more need of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala than me and you The difference is being able to recognize it That if Allah stopped my heart, if Allah didn't allow the water that I drink to quench my thirst, if He didn't allow the blood that flows through my veins to flow, that I would be done, I would be finished. It's just being able to recognize that. And that's part of tawakkul as well. Is that all of these things don't happen by themselves. All of these things are not independently functioning. All of these things purely happen because Allah allows them to. The more that we're in tune with that reality, the more that we will have tawakkul in Allah. Because then I recognize that it's nothing that I do. I may have the money, I have my mom's credit card, my dad's credit card, I can buy food when I want, right? I have maybe a set allowance, I can get some of what I want, right? But the point is that these are all means. But ultimately what will allow for them to take impact or effect is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more that we can be in tune with that reality, the more that we will start to trust Allah. That everything that happens or that doesn't happen or that Allah allows to happen or stops from happening is in His control. And when you recognize that, then you start to realize that my inability and my weakness is actually a strength. If I put it in the right place. Okay? It's it's counterintuitive, but think about it. Like, If you think that you are in control of your life and of everything that you do and of everything that's going to happen to you, you will live a very stressful life. Because you're always going to be worried about, I have to make sure that I do this to be able to be successful. And if this doesn't work out, then I'm in trouble. And if I'm not able to accomplish this and get married by this age and get into this school, I have to control all of that. It's very overwhelming because we realize how much we don't have control. But if you embrace the fact that you don't have control, that nothing is actually in your power and in your hands, it's scary initially, right? Like, I can't control anything. I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk out of these doors. I can't guarantee it. But then if I realize whose hands they actually are in, then it becomes actually the most empowering thing that we have. And that's why some of the scholars, they would say, Ken Z, That my treasure is actually in my own inability. And my richness is in my poverty. That only happens though when we recognize whose hands they're in. They're in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if I can learn to really trust that, then I can learn to be able to let go and to let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take control of my affairs. And that whatever happens in my life, this goes to your question, like things that happen in our lives, that we're, we're it, it's, they're traumatic. Right? I'm not saying that you just accept those things and you don't be a human and you don't feel the pain and you don't feel the emotion that comes with losing something or not, or something not going your way. If, if I were to tell you, just be happy when you lose a relative or be happy when, that relationship that you were working so hard on It falls apart I would tell you to do something that's that's not human but What I'm saying is not to, to be happy Or to, not to feel human in those moments But to recognize again To go back to that first point That whatever happens in your life It's happening by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission And by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will And the more again that I know Allah in my life And I recognize it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of me in a way that I can't even fully grasp and control, then I will start to be able to accept those things and still work. Because tawakkul is not just, okay, sit back and let Allah just do whatever and don't do anything. That's not tawakkul. Tawakkul is still, I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna take advantage of all of the means and all of the resources that I have. And I'm gonna work the hardest that I can, but my heart is not dependent on those things. My heart is not dependent on my work. My heart is not dependent on my abilities and my strength. My heart is dependent on Allah. And wallahi, it's very, very empowering if you can take that perspective. And it's hard. I'm sitting here talking about it, knowing that I myself struggle with it, and it's something that's easier said than done but the more that you're able to latch onto that meaning. Now, I'm going to do my best, and I'm going to leave the rest with Allah. Wallahi, it's, it's, it's liberating. It's liberating. Because I know then that, that I don't have to worry about or take control of all of the end results. I do my best, and I do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from me, and I leave the rest with Him. And then whatever happens is for, is, is, is for the best for me right? And so you ask Allah, so then how do you hold on in those moments where it's difficult? Allah gives us two things, two things in our lives that help us to see even you know, in the darkest moments, some lights, right? One of those things is He tells us so many stories in the Qur'an of the prophets and of the righteous people who experience almost every single difficulty that we'll go through there's some reflection of that in the Qur'an, either in the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi or the life of all of the other Prophets, right? Whether it's betrayal, whether it's loss, whether, you know, it's, it, it's uh, you know, not accomplishing what it is that we want to accomplish, family issues, whatever it may be, there is an example for us in the Qur'an and Allah is showing us, He's telling us, look, this happened to those who were the most beloved to me, those who were the closest to and they experience the emotions of those difficulties. Right? An entire year in the life of the Prophet ﷺ is called the year of sadness. Was it because the Prophet was happy during that year? because he lost in that year. He lost his internal support, his external support. He was stoned out of a town by his own people. He experienced so much difficulty and so much loss. And he felt it. And he cried wasallam. And he was scared, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, all of those emotions, right? But he never gave up on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he knew Allah. He knew that these things are happening not because Allah hates me or not because Allah wants to see me suffer. And sometimes that's what we think, right? But these things, there's a benefit, and there's something for me to gain in these things and for me to grow from them. Right, and so we look at those examples. You can, I mean, you can sit with these examples, and you can can see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works in such beautifully mysterious ways in the lives of those prophets, and then find examples in your own life. And that's the second way, right, is look at your own life. See how you've gotten to where you've gotten to, and what you've experienced on the way. And how many moments, if you really think about it, in your life, that you thought what happened to you was the worst possible thing that could have happened, right? I made dua to Allah to marry this person, and I cried, and I asked, and I begged Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then I found out a month later, two months later, that that person got engaged to someone else, or so that person, you know, they, they left me, or they betrayed me, or whatever it may be, and, and it hurt, said, I made du'a to Allah and I asked and I was sincere and Allah didn't accept or listen to my du'a. And then maybe it takes a day, maybe it takes a month, maybe you're still waiting to see why, but you realize at one point or another, you know, I dodged a bullet. Allah actually, by not answering my du'a in the way that I wanted to, Allah actually gave me something better. Right? And each and every single one of us have not just one of these examples, but if you think about it in your life, and it maybe is not as dramatic as you know, I always use the example of marriage because it's the one that usually stands out the most. But it could be so many other things. It could be the school that you got into. It could be something again that you really wanted, and then you look back and you say, you know what? I'm actually happy that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala didn't give it to me in that way or in the way that I wanted it, because I realized that what he had for me instead was much better. And so to find inspiration in our own lives, in the fact that up until now, you're here, you're 18, you're 19, you're 21, you're 25, up until this this point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken care of me, and has gotten me to exactly where I need to get, and so I know, and I can trust based off of the last 20 years, that in the next 20 years, Allah will also take care of me. It's just a matter of being able to hold on to that and to recognize, again, that Allah, when He decrees for you, He decrees for you what's best for you, even if you can't see it. This is one of His names. One of His names is Al-Latif. Al-Latif, why does He tell us these names? So that we can instill these names into our hearts and into our lives. And one of His names is Al-Latif. Al-Latif is the one who, br- who brings His mercy to his servants and to his slaves in ways that they don't fully understand and sometimes even in ways that they dislike, right? Why? Because he wants for them better for them even when they can't see it. And we see that again through the stories of the the prophets and through the examples of those who came before us that this is how we hold on again. It doesn't mean trusting in Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala it doesn't mean not feeling what humans feel when you experience those things but it means to be able to hold on to knowing that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking care of you right I just have to hold up my end of it I just have to do my best and do what Allah wants for me and I know as a result of that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala guarantees that what's to come for me is always better and that's why the Prophet what does he say about the believer? He says, <laughs> He says, what an amazing reality is the life of the believer. Everything that happens to him is good for him, good for her. If something that they like happens, they thank Allah and they're rewarded for that and that's better for them. If something that they don't like happens to them, they are patient. Patient doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean I can't be sad, or I can't be upset, or I can't work to try to get that thing, or whatever it may be. But it means that I'm patient, that I know, you know what, it's it's tough. But this is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can't see the wisdom right now, but I know there's a wisdom. And then as a result of that, then even that becomes something that's good. For right, this is the life of, of the believer. Do you know what you and to ask <laughs> have in common? Mean Who? This is hot chocolate. Oh no, it's hot chocolate. It's hot chocolate. Chocolate.
0: Chocolate. chocolate. It's He's going to judge you. How long it? are you thinking of this joke before you say it? <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> I was, was going to say, say that well, that in again. case it doesn't, in case people don't know, uh, I uh, just want to
1: I think on this note, what's interesting about this topic of not knowing what's good for you, I think it's really
0: important to look at, or one image that helps to paint this picture, for me at least, is in the story of Yusuf or Joseph. No reason to go through the whole story, just focus on the beginning details that matter. So Joseph at this point, or Yusuf, Max 10 years old, and his brothers, all 10 of them, are jealous of him, because of how much their father loves him. So out of their jealousy, what do they do? They first say, let's kill him, and they're like, okay, that's a bit too much. Let's change it up a little bit. Let's throw him into the well instead. And so then, these brothers, now for any of us that have siblings, you guys know, things might get tough. But it really is to the point that you'll betray someone to the extent that you want to get rid of them entirely. And one interesting thing to note here is that the well they throw him in isn't just like the community well. Otherwise, someone would have found him. The word is going wrong, which is jump, literally means a hole in the ground. So, they throw him into a random hole in the ground, away from the conventional roads used, basically leaving him for dead. So I want you to imagine that you're Yusuf in this position, that you're Joseph in this position, that you were just betrayed by your own brothers, you're young, and you're stuck in the darkness of a well. Walls are cramped. You can't imagine a way out of it. And he's stuck. The darkness all around him, and he can't even envision a way for him to get out of this well. Some of us, we might feel like we're Yusuf, that we're stuck and we can't even move. We're stuck, you can't even imagine, you can't even fathom, how do I get out of this? How do I possibly get out of this difficulty? How do I get out of this problem that I'm in? But the beautiful thing here is that, the problem, we try to imagine ways that we get out of our own problems, or out of our own capacities. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala assists us, it's assist us by His own capacities. That's why He says subhanahu wa ta'ala, trusts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Overfears, fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He creates, for them an exit. It's not that He shows them an exit. It's not that it will take you to the exit. He creates for you an exit. You may not see a possible way if you get out of your difficulty, Allah will create an exit for you. Even if you can't add how will will resolve this problem, Allah will really create an exit for you. It's a beautiful image to think about when you're stuck in that difficulty. But the amazing thing about this story is that it's not like he got out of the well and then everything was fine. He got out of the well and he got sold to slavery. And then after that he spent years as a slave before he was tested and then thrown into prison. So even though he was exited from a difficulty, more and more difficulties followed. It took decades until you can say that the wisdom was finally shown as to why he was in that position in the first place. Some of us, we think that a difficulty will be followed by an ease right away. But it's not followed by an ease, that we're done for. That we're not able to exit that ever. The reality is that sometimes you may have a difficulty after difficulty after difficulty that may never end. But the beautiful thing is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says إِنَّا مَعَ الْعُسْفِي يُصْرَى So the translation is that with hardship comes ease. It's not after hardship comes ease like most of us think the translation is. It's not that you're going to go a hardship and then ease follows. Rather it's that with a hardship comes ease. That as you're enduring a difficulty there's a mercy behind it. There's mercy and a reason for why you endure certain issues and problems and difficulties. But we just may not see it. And the beautiful thing is that إِنَّ مَا عَرْسْرِ The early means the difficulty with a difficulty comes يُسْرَ يُسْرَ meaning general ease just ease of all kinds. It's not a one-to-one ratio. And with the difficulty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless you with more than you can ever imagine. What does it look like? We don't know. And it's him to decide what يُسْرَ looks like. That's by his wisdom his knowledge alone. So the image here we have to understand is that no matter how difficult things may be no matter what the timeline is of our difficulties is that we have to always constantly trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and put our faith in Him That there's going to be light in the tunnel But the more importantly, that there's actually light following us and with us the entire time through that tunnel as well That there's a Rahman, there's a mercy that's accompanying us the entire way through Even if we can't see it, even if we can't imagine it Because we're not the ones who exit ourselves out of our own difficulties It's Allah's will that does so And who would you rely upon more than the most powerful which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where latif comes in. You may not see the wisdom behind it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala throughout all of your difficulties, if it's either put on you by your own decision making or external factors, at the end of the day, the ease comes with it. And it comes by Allah's mercy and it's going to be there for us, inshallah. So it's a kind of wrap up, it's a kind of yes or no, remarks, We've gone through why we need it, why trust Allah subhanahu wa But I think it's important to understand then, like, what does it actually look like? What does tawakkud actually look like in terms of our actions and our beliefs? Is it complete trust in everything we do?
1: Is it that we just do our part? And what does our part actually look like? So, let's close up with that. Um, so I want to I make this practical here. Who has experienced something in their life uh, that in the moment they felt that this was like, and this sucks? Like, I, why did this happen to me? And I, I wish it never happened to me. Or you felt even that, like a a sense, a feeling of hopelessness. Like you felt that something that happened in your life, you didn't want it to happen and you felt it to be a calamity. And then later on, you look back at that thing and you realize like that actually there was a a benefit in that for me. Or actually even, you know, maybe at a higher level, I was thankful that that happened to me because it actually... It taught me something about myself Right? I was able to open up another opportunity For me in my life that I didn't know what, what, That was there Raise your hand if, if something like that happened to you Okay, so some people Some people It's there, it's there It's just about being able to to, to, to Look for it Right, being able to find it Right And, and when you ask about like What does tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala look like tawakkul is uh, it, it's something that grows and that develops right? it's not something that you leave here today and all of a sudden you're completely fo- fully able to uh, just put your trust 100% in Allah and, and, and that's it it's something that takes time right? in the story of Musa right, Musa when he first gets revelation and he's given a command by Allah he meets Allah and Allah is talking to him and Allah tells him To throw down his his staff or his stick, what happens? Does anyone know? When he first when he throws it down and it turns into a snake, what happens? Hmm. Any idea? He runs right out of fear. He runs. Okay. There is a command from Allah. And there is a natural response of, of Musa. He sees a snake, and out of that fear, he, he runs in the other direction. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds Musa, like He reminds us at this point. He tells him, he says, Go to Pharaoh, Basically, fulfill your responsibility, what I'm telling you to do. And we can look at this as what Allah is giving us in terms of our responsibilities in our lives, our responsibility to Him. You know what are you know what the commands are, what the things that we should stay away from, and he tells Musa something. He says, "Go and I'm with you." Inna ni ma'akum. You and Harun, go together. I'm with you. And so now Musa is starting to develop this understanding that yes, right. I have a, what seems to be a monumental task, but he's starting to develop this idea that Allah is with me. What exactly is that going to look like? I'm not sure, but Allah is with me, He's going to. He's going to be there, and He's going to take care of it. So initially, he's a prophet, right? Initially, with the command, Musa runs, because there's that fear. Then when Musa is standing in front of uh, the magicians, and the magicians throw their staff, so now he's in a difficult position, another challenge, another test, now Musa has developed, right? He knows Allah has told him, I'm with you and all of these things. In that moment, when Musa throws his staff or when the magicians throw their staff, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala he says something interesting. He says, فَأَوْجَسَ فِي نَفْسِهِ مُوسَى In the first case, Musa, there was fear that caused Musa to run. Now as he's growing and he's developing in his tawakkul in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, now it's still a scary position. It's still a scary uh, moment. But instead of running now, the fear, it it, it comes, it's it's natural again, right? You can imagine being in that position and, and the pressure and all of the magicians and just one or two people standing against thousands. And so when he sees this, there is fear that is there, but he doesn't run this time. He doesn't run this time. Because through his life and through his experience he's seeing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with him. But he still feels a little bit of that fear. And so you see he's growing in his tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Life experience, when you see it through the lens of Allah is with me, allows us to grow in a way to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives. You start to see, if you doubt the wisdom, then it's difficult to find the wisdom. But if you know for sure, I may not see it. I may not know what it is for sure. But I know in what's happened to me there is a wisdom and there is a benefit. Allah tells us that in the beginning of the Quran, إني أعلم ما لا تعلمون. I know what you don't know. He's telling us that so that we never doubt that there's a wisdom, and instead we expand our or we expand our energy to look for the wisdom, right? And this is where trust in Allah comes in because if I know the wisdom and anything and everything that happens to me, then where's the trust? There's no trust in right? But if there is an uncertainty and I'm able to say, you know what? I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because I know and I've seen what He's done, not just in the world and not just in other people's lives, but in my life. Not just in the Prophet's lives, but in my life, I'm starting to trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's what happens with Musa. Until it culminates, with the most difficult position that Musa is in, but by this time he's lived and he's understood inside. He's in, he's inculcated it, and it's been inscribed in his heart that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is with me. And so, in the most difficult position, more than just a snake, a staff turning into a snake, more than magicians in front of him, but now there's the whole sea in front of him, right? And there is the army of Qur'an behind him. And there are his own people who are saying, Kalla inna, they're saying inna That's it, we're done Death in front of you, death behind you And doubt all around you But now Musa, who's lived Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with me What does he say in that moment? He says Kalla inna ma'ya and This is very beautiful brothers and sisters I want you to pay attention to this, right? He doesn't say Allah سُبْحَانَهُ wa ta'ala is going to save me from Pharaoh. He doesn't say Allah سُبْحَانَهُ wa ta'ala is going to split the sea for me He doesn't even say I'm going to survive this moment He says my Rabb is with me He is going to guide me He is going to take care of me What does that mean? He's saying what we need to learn And I'm talking about myself here to live in our lives. I don't know what it's going to look like that Allah is going to take care of me. I don't know what it's going to look like that Allah is going to guide me, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to put me in a position that I need to be in. But I know that Allah is with me. I've done what I can. Inna مَعْيَ rabbi That my rab is with me. He believed in the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that Allah is with him more than what he believed with his own eyes. He said, I don't know what that's going to look like. But I know my love is with me, so he's going to guide me. That's what tawakkul is. And then he does what he can in that moment. Right? What does he have the ability to do? Right? Sometimes we feel that what it going to matter my, what I'm doing, I'm one person. I have very little ability, very little faith, very little strength. In that moment, all he's able to do. There's the inside, the internal part of it that's strong. The external part of it, all I'm able to do is hit the sea with my stick. What is a what is a stick going to do with, uh, against a sea? That's what he had the ability to do. And this is what tawakkul is, my brothers and sisters. That you do what you can. In every and any situation, but you realize it's not about what I'm doing. That's going to bring me guidance and bring me success and bring me victory and bring me help, but it's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and finding those miracles in my life and finding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help in my life, and as a result of that, what happens? All right? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala performs yet another, this time very apparent miracle and he splits the seed for Musa. What does that come from? That comes not just from someone putting their trust in Allah, but it's a journey of putting our trust in Allah. Right, and this is, you know, we're starting maybe at that point where when the command is coming, we're running in the other direction. Right, but to grow and to recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. And the greatest sign and, and, and indicator of that is the fact that you're here. And meaning Allah is allowing you to hear this. Allah is Choosing for you, no matter where you are on the spectrum of practicing and struggling to practice and being able to live as a Muslim, you still have the baseline, inshallah, of Iman. Right? I still, I still, I, I claim, I want to be a believer. And that means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for you, Because the Prophet sallallahu tells us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He gives this dunya to the ones that He loves and the ones that He does not but He only gives Iman, He only gives faith to the ones that He loves, right? And so to be people who invest in that, and that's what tawakkul is, right? To know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? To be, to be certain that the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is, is there in my life, and it's just, and it's fair, and I'm going to do my best, but I'm not going to rely on my actions, I'm relying on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So that's what that's what looks like. What's the and I'll end with this. What's the step? What's that first step to really knowing Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala? Is to actually invest in that relationship. One of the great one of the scholars, he was asked. He says, "How do we How do we know Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala?" And he says, ta'ati Right? That you know Allah through his obedience, right? Through establishing that relationship with him. And then he said, They asked him, How do you have his obedience? How do we become people who obey him? He, says, he said, Through him. Right? Through him. Meaning, trusting in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is not just trusting in Allah in your worldly affairs. I'm gonna study, I'm trusting in Allah, then I'm gonna get an A. Right? I'm going to apply to school, I'm going to trust in Allah, that Allah gets me into the school that's best for me. Don't limit your tawakkul in Allah to just worldly things. Part of your tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it took me a long time to understand this concept, but it's powerful too. Tawakkul in Allah is even in your relationship with Him, even in your ability to worship Him, in your ability to have a connection to Him, even putting your trust in Allah for that. Right? that I don't know, it's, it's difficult for me to understand what's the connection between praying on time and being successful in, in my studies or being successful in my relationship with my parents but to recognize that through those things like I'm trusting that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me to do and to stay away from that doing those things will give me inshaAllah the facilitation to be able to have that relationship with Him, and to be able to find peace and success in everything that I do, right? So putting our trust in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala in everything, even in trying to establish a relationship with Him. I'm gonna do my best, and I'm gonna put my trust in Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala. Allah will give me the tawfiq and the ability to even have a relationship with Him. And through that, inshaAllah, you'll find again that liberation, right? That liberation that I'm not in control, but I know that it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is in control And that's much better than me being in control So I'm putting my trust in the one Who tells us That he is the most merciful <clears throat> and Tells us that he's the most loving And tells us that he's the most, that he's the most generous Right Ibn al-Qayyim al I promise al this He said If the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Was fair with himself And with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And if he was able to lift up the curtain of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manages his affairs and manages her affairs. All of the, you know, the, the gears behind the scenes of this happening, that leads to this, and all of the little, you know, strings, the thousands and millions of strings that are put together to build this beautiful picture. If we were able to to see the mechanics behind these things, and to see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates for you in your life, in a way that is much better than what you can do for yourself. Meaning, if we saw the story that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was writing for us in our lives, and we realized how Allah azza wa jal wants for us better than we want even for ourselves, and is more merciful to us than even our own mothers, and even our own fathers, that we would realize First of all, that we wouldn't want anyone else writing that story for us. That we wouldn't even want to change anything that happened. But that we would realize how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has that immense love and mercy written for us in our lives. He says that would cause the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their hearts to melt out of gratitude. And to cut up in the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? It's just being able to tap into that and to find that in our lives and to trust the one who tells us that he is al Right? To say, you know what? I can find my liberation and I can find my strength and I can find my power and my ability in knowing that I don't control those things but Allah controls those things. So I do my best but I leave the rest with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
0: Inshallah, the we'll end there, Inshallah Ta'ala. Uh, so, a couple of notes before we end the holy du'a. So, Inshallah, a series of pillars. We'll be having more bars from Shammallah and other people in the near future. Inshallah, see your eyes out for any announcements for next semester. Inshallah, after the pizza, Shammallah will sign autographs in the corner if you guys need them. Or, answer questions if he's not leaving right away. Okay, questions or autographs? I'll see you, Inshallah. So, with that, Inshallah, we'll end up with a short du'a. So, Shammallah so, so, we will in the morning. <chatting> oh, Allah, we ask you to forgive us for our shortcomings. O <laughs> yeah, Allah, we ask you to give us patience in our difficulties. O <laughs> yeah, Allah, we ask you to forgive us for all of our shortcomings and those who are with us and those who are not here right now present with us in this moment. Ya Allah, we ask you, that you forgive us and our parents and those who brought us here to be in this moment. May <coughs> Allah well, bless the creators and the founders of this event and to bless them the organizers for everything that only you know that they did. May Allah well, bless us in our studies and our social lives and our finances and everything we do. Ya Allah, well, we're weak, so strengthen us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, well, yeah, well, we lack our ability to perfect our worship, so accept from us even no matter how little it is. May Allah well, we're poor, so strengthen us and enrich us with your worship and with your love. Ya Allah, accept from us, how little it is, forgive us for the small things. SubhanAllah, <laughs> alayhi the